Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, Jonathan Goldhill here with another episode of the Disruptive Successor Podcast. And today's guest is someone I met through the Center for Family Business, Cal State University Fullerton's program. Mm -hmm. She is passionate about educating and mentoring next generation leaders because she is herself a next generation leader in a family business. As a transformational business leader and certified futurist, Jenny Deneen, along with her twin sister, run the McKenzie Corporation. Mm -hmm. She took over from her father. We're going to listen to her story as a G2 entrepreneur, and we'll learn a little bit more about what she does running customer insights firm uh, for clients, small and large. Jenny, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So let's start off with, well, give your elevator pitch. What Tell us what McKenzie Corp is so people know. And, and you, I, just so our listeners understand, you're a company of been 10 to 25 employees, so a small business, yep. um, and you took over from your dad. What what was the company that your dad created, and, and what is it today? Man, yeah. So McKinsey Corporation, we, um, I think back in the day, so data analytics, customer insights, and really since the very beginning, uh, we help um, our customers and clients leverage the data that they have internally, typically sales and marketing data, um, to make better business decisions. So that started 35 years ago, you know, sales data, industry data, that type of thing. Fast forward, we're still doing the same thing, right? Of empowering businesses to make better business decisions. Um, the entire uh, data analytics customer insights world has changed drastically um, in the last 35 years, but still and really leaning in hard in the customer insight space, um, a lot around customer experience. So I'm um, working with marketing teams to maximize their marketing mix, sales team, where to focus their efforts, those types of things. Wow, that sounds like really sophisticated stuff for small businesses. Like, I mean, what did it look like years ago? I mean, was information just on file cards and handwritten notes? And I mean, 35 years ago was before... Um, Everything. <laughs> before technology, computers... And yeah. certainly, uh, you know, technology programs to capture a lot of this stuff. 
Yeah, I'll say one of my very first memories. So obviously family business started in the bonus room of our house. Uh, I'm actually born and raised here in Orange County. Uh, but my dad had one of those huge, I don't even know, bigger than the screen here, but huge, huge printers, plotter printers. And he would plot out maps of where the sales were for the companies. Uh, so we would plot out and I'd you know go to sleep to these like Chung, 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 and he'd be plotting out these huge, huge maps. I can't even imagine now. Um, but just kind of evolved through time, right? Of what it is. I will say, um, I talk a lot of, you know, running a customer insights data analytics company is very, very exciting um, right now. It's also crushingly overwhelming trying to keep up with everything that's happening in this space. Mm-hmm. So it has definitely been a ride. Um, uh, so, and, and- and so for yes. someone listening to this and trying to paint themselves in the picture, um, who typically hires you? What type of clients or customers yep. are you working with? And and what yeah. might be an example of an engagement you're doing? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of a wide variety. We do a lot in the power sports world. So like Yamaha Motors has been a client since actually from day one. They were one of our very first clients. So um, on the motor, so uh, motorcycles, ATVs, boats, water, not the music side of things. So mm-hmm. typically where there's a large purchase, um, that it takes a bit of time to get the customer in, then having the customer, customer retention. Um, so uh, definitely in the power sports space, large purchase like Great Park Neighborhoods, um, doing some stuff with City of Hope at the moment, um, Club Pilates we worked with before. So where there's a, a larger purchase, longer period of time where you want to be staying in touch with the customers. Um, we do a bit in the sports world. We work with Staples Center, um, more so in their um, luxury suite where there's a larger purchase than the one-time ticket, um, and then a bit in the nonprofit world. It's kind of a and passion so, project. Yep. And so the traditional model that your business still follows, are you making phone calls to the buyers to find out, like, why did they make the buying decision? Or are you, are you talking to the resellers to find out what information they're getting from their customers? Well, how does that work? Definitely not on the phone. Uh, And that was one of the things back in the day and nothing wrong with that world. It's just not ours. But um, so multiple things. Um, A lot of times, and so I'll say, you know, on the data analytics side of things, most companies are sitting on a tremendous amount of information, right? So we're looking at things like sales data, industry data. You mentioned, you know, if there's warranty registration, kind of said partners there, we do a lot in the OEM space. So when, you know, um, if there's the OEM partner with all the dealerships and then the end consumer. So we'll get information from uh, different partners there. So if there's customer data, we'll be taking a look at that. If cus- companies are sitting on that and or industry data to take a look at, mm. if we kind of flip to the other side and um, take a look at trying to gather information from consumers in the customer insight space uh, back in the day, definitely a lot of in mail surveys. Um, my mm-hmm. first job growing up was opening up the mail, data entering all of the surveys, all of that. We've transitioned quite a bit. Uh, so online um, is mainly how we're doing. So we do not Great. do phone surveys. Got it. All right. Well, that's a great lead in. So yeah. um, McKenzie Corporation's the company. Enough about the company. Let's talk about family business. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, as a child growing up in your household, yeah. uh, your father's running this business. Did he involve you as did and your sister as teenagers? Mm-hmm. Were you like you just said, you know, like, were you licking envelopes or were you opening <laughs> yes. mail or were you entering data? Were you starting yeah. to understand a little bit about the business by doing the grunt work? And that's, that, yeah, how did that, you know, it's, that? 
It's funny growing up. So both my parents, um, I talk about my dad a lot, but my mom owned her own business as well. So I had two entrepreneur parents. Mm. They, she had a meeting and events company. He had uh, McKinsey. So we grew up in an entrepreneur family, definitely working seven days a week, definitely um, at the office all the time. I actually had my two girls here yesterday at the office. So we're starting the uh, Gen 3 here. But um, I think we were, we went to work with dad and we went to work with mom. So growing up, but we didn't actually know what he did. Quite honestly, I knew that he traveled a lot and I knew that he worked with um, on computers, but I had no idea what he did. Um, in high school, we definitely then started doing opening the mail instead of working at Wild Rivers and some of the fun, you know, at the beach or any of that kind of stuff. Um, started getting more involved in it, but it was never um, a family business. This was dad's business to support his family. Mm-hmm. Even um, I think we'll fast forward a little bit when we started talking about transition, but it was never his goal to create a legacy company. His goal was to support his family. Um, so, um, and so I think even though we kind of say it's an unspoken rule, which I love, but it was never come and work in the family business and take over the family business. It was go away to college, which we both went away um, and go do your own thing. Like this is not come stay at the family business and be here. He very much encouraged us to go learn, explore, work for big companies, see different things. Um, so I don't, I don't even think it was till after college that I even knew what he did, which seems odd. That's funny. <laughs> and by the way, this is not a t- your story is not atypical of clients that I work with, people mm-hmm. that are on this show that are running businesses. Um, their parents were what I call technician entrepreneurs. Yes. yes. And they were basically started, their purpose was to put food on the table and pay the, you know, pay yeah. the mortgage or the rent. And if they were yeah. successful, get a second home. But they didn't think of that in terms of what's their legacy or, mm-hmm. you know, transition to the next generation. But very often times the kids were uh, on the job site or seeing yes. the work yeah. that was being done. And then when they come out of college, they think like, okay, well, I could do this career. Huh. Maybe there's an opportunity to take over or get involved with. So tell us. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, I worked at Home Depot uh, or HD Supply down in San Diego and HSBC Bank. So some big, big companies um, and worked there and, you know, and then up into senior uh, positions. And I think what I also saw, and I don't think I realized until I was then, I'll say in the real world, is how well my parents treated their teammate or their, you know, their team members or their staff, uh, but team members um, and what they did and how the, the community they created and what it was. And I didn't realize how badly I wanted that because I grew up in it. So mm-hmm. I just assumed growing up, this is how all businesses ran. This is, you know, I mean, we knew, I mean, we've had some people here that have worked with us for 30 years, 20 plus years, like we were all family. Um, and so I think it was fantastic to go out and see kind of the other side of things. And I think that's a very good eye-opening uh, piece and so many great, amazing things that you can learn there. But then I realized, okay, wait a second. If I want to be going up in senior management, if I'm working this hard, if I'm doing these things, wait a second, why aren't I doing this uh, for myself and for my own family business? So right. uh, Kate and I started, I came back, I think between, um, can't remember what year, 2007, something as an analyst and came back um, and kind of learned some of the, I wouldn't say grunt work, but came back as an employee mm-hmm. um, and worked for a little bit and said, wait a second, this is a pretty awesome business of what you're doing here. Like, let's learn more. Um, and then left for a little bit. And then, I mean, kind of fast forward 
which we can get to, but then Kate and I came back and kind of wrote a business plan to say, okay, dad, we want to come and take this over because he started hinting at, um, okay, when this is over, he, he always joked he was going to shut the lights off and whoever's the last one out the door will just lock the door and then just shut down the business. And we're like, this does not make any sense. <laughs> uh, no, but in his mind, you know, his, you know, support his family, get to a certain spot, get his girls through college. You know, it's just Kate and I. Um, and so he was accomplishing that, you know, a very yep. accountant so kind of guy. Were you in your mid twenties when you wrote this business plan thereabouts or like oh what, gosh. like give us the listeners. Late twenties. Yeah. Late twenties. Yeah. So, so went that's... away for a little bit, um, which I think is fantastic. I mean, I really do. And I, even when I chat with a lot of people up at Chapman and Fullerton and students, I said, there is so many blessings between big and small companies. And I think there's so many good things for both um, large companies, the learning that you had, the networking that you have, the ways of getting things done now, even selling into and having clients that are large corporations. I can understand. I can understand when I go to meetings and they are like triple booked and they don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> um you know, when we've been working on something for so long. So I can understand that mindset. I sure. It was a really good thing. Um, but yeah, we, um, I was down in San Diego and then we were actually, I was in Solana beach. Kate was in Oceanside. The office was in Irvine and we took the train, I think for four or five years um, up here. So I'd get on Solana beach. She got on Oceanside. We took the train up. Uh, and then we finally said, okay, maybe that's where we wrote our business plan on the train. Did she come in as an analyst as well, or did she take it? She came in under the incentive department. Um, So she kind of, she ran a different arm of the business or came in under a different arm of the business. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, so one per you, you sound like you were more on the inside and she was more uh, marketing or externally focused. Is that? um, that Actually the opposite. Okay. It got it backwards. Okay. Yep. So she, um, so in total side note, but Kate and I went to different high schools growing up. We, hated each other, um, did not get along at all, uh, could not be more opposite and still couldn't be more opposite. And so I thought this is never going to work at all. Uh, but we are all about um, a lot of the assessments and personality assessments, strength finder, those type of things. And mm-hmm. once we started realizing our strengths, so I am, I know you're an attraction guy. I think I'm the, I'm the visionary. She's the integrator. Like I've got a Fantastic. new idea Every five minutes, I have an idea jar on my desk that she gave me because I'm not allowed to add new ideas to the team um, until she then can implement it. So as we were, um, and you had mentioned at the beginning, the center for family business, I will say when we started hinting at the idea um, of taking over the family business or coming into the family business, a lot of people said, don't do it you're going to ruin your family. It's going to be awful. Like there's just so much fighting. And I think everyone has a story. You know, when I worked with my brother-in-law, when I worked with my friend or these fighting kind of stories. And so maybe it's the analysts in us and the planners in us, but we started reaching out to say, what support could we get? And that's where then we found the center for family business. So 10 plus years ago and um, and hired a transition consultant and said, okay, if we're going to do this, what are all the things that we need to do? And so it was taking those personality tests, writing and mapping out what is your role? What is your role? And how are you going to figure out how to work together? So we were getting ahead of some of the issues, I guess. I'll so it was a lot of what I call succession planning, yes, um, yeah. which is which is coaching up the next generation of leaders yeah. to figure out like where they fit, 
where mm-hmm. their zone of genius, if you will, yes. and uh, and how to get into that that zone. Yeah. So that's great, and you know, it's so I will typical. Say yeah. Too sorry, just real quick on that, and, and maybe it's where you were going, but one of the interesting things because when I when I used to think of succession planning, it was okay, like dad will train like the next generation, or you know whoever it is, and they'll be training, you know, um, and our dad is a genius on so many levels. But one thing that I really found, and maybe this is just in our personality was he didn't know how to train the next generation uh, because he was the entrepreneur. I think G1 to G2 is so interesting because you're taking an entrepreneur that's just the tactical in the weeds guy. And then you're handing it over to a G2 that it falls on our our shoulders to do like systems and process and whatnot. He didn't know how to train us. And it's nothing against him, but I think that's where people get stuck sometimes is then saying, okay, well teach me how to do this. And so it was huge. And I will always, you know, Joanne Norton, our transition consultant and being part of the center, getting those outside perspective and having someone help us to say, this is what you should be doing and getting that outside perspective. Cause we sure as heck didn't know how to do it. (laughs) Well, I I totally get that because um, when I wrote my book, uh, Mm. It was the, the original title I was going to rip on Marshall uh, Goldsmith's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. 100%. Because, yeah, my concept was like, you know, your dad or whoever, maybe it's your yeah. mom, but yeah. you're, in this case, your dad was uh, was great and knew mm-hmm. how to get the business to where it is, but yes. has no idea how to train you and what you need to yep. learn to get to the business to the next level. And so yeah. it's such a different thing. I, I only work almost with G. G2 entrepreneurs mm-hmm. transitioning from G1 yeah. because I understand that mindset. And, and then my publisher said, Hey, let's come up with a different title. Let's call it disruptive successor. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I liked, which was, yeah. you know, because you have to be a disruptor to the way your dad was doing the business. I mean, yeah. if you were still doing it the way uh, your dad was doing it, I mean, heck I, you know, I had guests on here, the Grossman brothers, their fourth G4 entrepreneurs. I mean, they'd still be selling envelopes and letterhead and that doesn't work. I think that's a huge, huge thing. Cause I I listened to that one with those fourth generation. I'm so intrigued, you know, going from G2 to G3 is so different. It's kind of like when you have kids, you know, one kid to two kids, whatnot, but I think there's something very unique. So I love that you're helping specifically from G1 to two and G1 people kind of say are the entrepreneurs. I think before they're even a yes. G1, yep. um, they are problem solvers. They're going to figure it out and they get it done and they're hands in and they're doing these things. And so I do think it's sometimes difficult. It takes a certain personality to say, I don't know this one, how to then hand this over to change it. I mean, I will say as much as um, it was like, I'm kind of making it very smooth. You know, we just wrote a business plan and it was a perfect transition. You know, it is not even eyes wide open, knowing going in dad saying he's ready. That is a, you know, that's a tight hold when you've run a business for 30 some years (laughs) to then say, okay, here's my baby to hand it over. Um, And that transition period, when you do succession planning, you know, there's, um, I think there's the three that's actual ownership, (laughs) There's, uh, you know, control and power and control. You know, mm-hmm. There's three different ones. And I, I think that the ownership maybe is the easiest, you know, on paper. Here you it's, go. It's like, let's get in front of a lawyer and let's figure out the mechanics yes. of this. And Yeah, but and that for, power and control is a little Yeah, hard. so just for people listening. So the ownership is easy to transfer when the business is under <laughs> a certain value yes. where the parent can just gift it 
as part of their lifetime, you know, yep. gift tax exemption, unless yep. they own a lot of real estate or some other, you know, business interests. Um, so that's an easy one. Yes. Uh, power and control. Let's talk about how that transition went down in your family's business. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, uh, it took longer than we thought. I think dad, um, he said, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to let go, ready to do all those things. Then I think we were um, also infusing a bit more excitement and energy into it and changing things. Yeah, um, It's difficult for employees that have worked for somebody for a very long time. Right. Um, and because he was still there. So we changed, we switched over ownership that Kate and I owned 48%, 48%. He owned 4%. Great. And really that was then to for the tiebreaker uh, mm-hmm. to be able to have. That's but he then had an employment contract with us for five years. So then he stayed on. Wow. And I will say it's hard. It's hard when the owner, he would always say, um, I'll just be in the meetings. I'll be like a fly on the wall. Mm. My dad, you're like an elephant on the wall yeah. that nobody can ignore. And not <laughs> to the detriment of him. But I think in regular businesses, which is different than a family business, when you get a new CEO, the old CEO doesn't sit around and isn't doesn't stay there for the next five years. No, no matter what, the employees are going to look over there to say, "How was it done? What do you think?" Yeah, yep. um, that CEO was gotten rid of as quickly as the new yeah. CEOs can get rid of that person. And that's right or wrong because I will say the benefit of being able to have that legacy. Oh my gosh! I mean, there's so much stuff that he learned. He's like, "Yeah, no, we tried that. It didn't work. We tried that." But then balancing, then saying, well, no, I know we tried that 10 years ago, but the world is different. Email is now a thing, you know? (laughs) Um, So it's trying to then balance it. Um, A little bit, I'd say power and control were harder while he was still in the business, for sure. Five years is a long time. I remember when I announced to a friend that I was going to get married in nine months, he said, John, nine months is a really long engagement. You might want to rethink that. It's like, so is five years too long? Was it too long in, in your case? Would, would you have done it? Like, what would you tell if you were no. talking to Jenny of, you know, pre 98, yeah. 48% ownership, what would you tell that girl? I don't know. It's so funny because I will, I'll answer the question, but going through it, we went to the center and we went to our partners and friends. And I said, show me the example, show me the example of the next gen that took it over while mom or dad or the previous generation is still actively involved. Show me, because if I can see that it's been done, then I, you know, I have hope that it'll work. We did not find other super successful examples of it. Okay. Um, I'll have to introduce you to some of my clients because they're still, yeah, father's please. still in it. But really, I think it takes a unique parent to be able to step back and just say, oh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I will do what I'm going to supposed to do. And, yeah. you know, I'm not running the show and, nobody, and no one even looks to that person to run the show any longer. Right. And I think though, but if they can be in a specific, in a different role, the thought leader out there or the expert in and whatever, and I will say then, and that's what dad then kept on as he's an expert and he's still, we still contract for certain projects. I mean, there's just some stuff that he just knows and gets, I mean, just today, yep. a client thing came through and it was like, okay, right over here, some legal work, some certain things sure. that I cannot hire out for. Right. Um, so I think if it's very, so if someone were to do it, um, I would say that um, having very clear boundaries yeah. and having 
The thing that I've realized through this entire transition is having really open and honest conversations. Never before did I think that I had to chat with my mom and dad about money and finances and, you know, what's going on, like, and say like, what's really going on, right? Because we can have these surface conversations, but unless we get to the root of what's happening or what's going on or what they want to have happened, not just what they think that we want to hear, then we're just going to be going in circles. So I think having um, is it radical candor, uh, you know, of what, where you're at. I think that's, you have to get to that point. And I think a lot of times in family, just in general and family businesses, things get kind of just skirted under the rug and not dealt with. They will come out, um, if they're not dealt with. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, and in certain size businesses, I think the there's formality that's needed. I mean, you've yes. got a 4% shareholder. He's mm-hmm. or she is entitled to, yep. to know, you know, shareholder distributions, how are these arrived at, transparency in the financial statements. Let's share with you our our business plan, the direction that we're going in, our perform, you know, it's like, wow, I got this minority shareholder we have to be accountable to a little bit because, and good thing there's only one, it makes it easy, but. I am so um, inspired by listening to these, you know, I mean, the family business community, I mean, just is so incredible and listen to these stories of G3, G4, G5. And it's mind boggling to me when they're like, oh, we've got a hundred shareholders. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm already thinking about our next generation G3. (laughs) Uh, And your next generation, I think is pretty young. I'm taking, I gather. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Freshman. We got a little bit of time. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a vision for the business, for the future of it? Do you, do you have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal that, you know, sees this thing out 15 to 30 years where there might be another generation involved? I mean. For sure. I mean, I think that in general, I mean, we've got a few different things. I think that with a family business, so with McKinsey, for sure, in this space right now, I think Kate and I are really stepping into our own of being thought leaders. Dad was very behind the scenes. Like you just get your work done, especially in the data world and the research world, you're kind of behind the scenes. It's difficult. I mean, you know, we do product development surveys and we do these things. I can't go out and share our results of our survey because it's, you know, proprietary information. So it was always very behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And he was very much like, even in the nonprofit giving, you just quietly do your work and that's what you do. Um, So that's kind of how we were brought up. We're now leaning a bit more into being thought leaders in this space. You know, you'd kind of mentioned the strategic foresight and future stuff. Like I believe that this customer insights industry, um, there is so much potential here. I think that, I mean, without getting too big or whatever, but I believe that a lot of the um, issues that we're facing in the world is because people's voices are not being heard. I think that people want to be connected with others, one, um, with brands. They want to authentically feel as though brands and corporations care about them and they're part of the process. And if we could change the way brands engage with their customers and have it being a two-way conversation as opposed to just marketing the heck out of people? How do we include their voice Mm -hmm. in the business planning process? That to me is like the most exciting piece. So the future for us is I want people to, I want to work with people that truly care about incorporating the voice of the customer. And I want to change the way our industry works. I mean, talk about a big, very goal that's yeah that is uh uh it's not a measurable maybe but it's certainly an incredible objective and and so one of the things i talk about in my book is that the next gen leader needs to disrupt either the business model the way the business is being done mm-hmm. so uh, that could mean going from 
just having like a subscription-based model. It could mean, you know, mm -hmm. being an online only type model. Mm -hmm. They Or they need to look at the process uh, mm -hmm. and, or the, and or the product or all three yeah. or the yep. product being the service, same thing. Yep. Um, and so I'm really interested in, you became, you're the first person I know who's a certified futurist. And uh, for any older listeners um, who might be familiar with Alvin Toffler, Future Shock, who was a futurist, uh, mm. um, what is a certified futurist? Certified futurist. Oh. And really around this uh, strategic foresight world. So it's a different way of, um, and definitely not predicting the future by any way possible. Right. In way, shape or form. But how can we better prepare ourselves and prepare our businesses for the future by mapping out scenarios? So coming back to what trends, patterns, values, what shifts are happening today that we can now start then projecting out into the future, uh, projecting out different scenarios um, so that we can be better prepared as businesses. Um, wow. There is so much stuff that's happening right now that quite honestly, a lot of people are saying, man, I would have never predicted this. That is not actually true. Like we could very easily go back and say, based on what was happening four years ago, eight years ago, certain things, we were for sure on this path. And so I think that businesses, you know, in their strategic planning typically are just very short-sighted. And I think that businesses can be a lot more uh, resilient if we take a much broader um, swath of predicting, sure. you know, creating these scenarios. Yeah. So, um, and we're doing that at McKinsey, you know, we, we're doing a future of customer insights project, which is just fun and exciting to look at. It changes my entire way of thinking about things. When something happens, I said, why do you think this is happening? Like what's the actual underneath what's actually happening, not just the surface level stuff. And if this pattern stays, let's take, I mean, for very quick, um, actually I was just doing a video, a little bit about, uh, the new rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. So in the data space, the amount of distrust in our industry is just mind-boggling and the amount of people not wanting to share data and what's going on and where are we at. If this trend continues, we are going to have, and so then we kind of played this out in like three different scenarios, fortress, fortress, market, transformational. Um, if, if we don't, um, it'll be a very interesting world for sure. Wow. Well, yeah. I think that, uh, being a futurist in your business is part of your disruptive, uh, yep. like secret sauce, if you will. Like it's, yes. it's what makes you guys different and must be very interesting. Now I should note, by the way, that your sister is a fraternal twin, yes. not an identical twin. So yes. hence the different paths, divergent thinking, lifestyles, whatever, high schools. I mean, uh, okay. it would be, you know, it's, I think it's really challenging to be, co-presidents in my world we always think like the hierarchy is like one person's a ceo maybe there's a president too but the roles are very different and in family businesses what i see is really we divide the world but okay you do the inside i'll do the outside right um right. you know uh, i'll you do sales and marketing i'll do manufacturing production or whatever yeah. Yeah. and so that makes it easier unless there's a third sibling then it makes I know. I don't know how the triplets, the triplets do it. <laughs> well, maybe I, one does finance or something, I guess, but uh, something completely different. Or yeah, technology. we're a lot of the inside outside, though. I do love, um, and from your recommendation and whatnot, your your traction stuff of having the visionary yep. and the integrator. Yep. Those terms, because inside outside just felt like 
Cause kids like, well, I'm outside too. I do things, but I right. love that visionary yep. and the integrator. It's so key that just like clicked in so many levels there. She's for sure the integrator. Yes. Great. Great. And that book that you're referencing is called rocket fuel for, rocket uh, fuel. If you want to pick up and read them, and there's so many great examples, you know, mm-hmm. at the great companies, Microsoft and Apple, and there was always someone that we know of, a Bill Gates, a Steve Jobs, but there was someone behind the scenes mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily know their names, you know, right. like the jo- making like it happen, Johnny Ivy or Steve Ballmer that were making, you know, making stuff happen and making a lot of stuff that didn't need to happen. Like, okay, let's yep. just put that on the in the parking lot for now. Um, I will say too, in in kind of the disruptive thing, I think it's so important. I think in family businesses, a lot of times it's, this is the way it's been done. We can't disrupt it. We got to just keep this way, but it is a different mindset of thinking if we don't change, this is not going to be here in the long run, you know, that we're, we're here for the long term. So we need to be, you need to be thinking, I mean, the world is completely different. So if you don't have someone that's thinking farther out than right now, you're not going to exist in the next few years. Yep. At least that's my humble opinion. Yeah. Well, look, G1, I don't sell business planning to G1s because they don't buy it. G2s <laughs> buy business planning. They buy process. They buy, yeah. you know, and they like tools that are going to yeah. help them ele- elevate them. So yeah. it, it all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How did your dad take to the some of the process, the technology in, in, improvements. I mean, was, I call it the sticky baton syndrome where he's not, Mm. where he's sort of holding onto the baton, not letting go. Yeah. Um, Um, Can you kind of give us like the, what did it feel like maybe? Yeah. You know, we did it in a, a slow transition, which I don't know if I would maybe, you know, part of me says like I would rip the bandaid faster because I think we maybe would have been further ahead. But then again, I think it would have caused so much disruption because the thing is, it's not just with dad, it's with then legacy clients that we have as well, right? That we're not just going to shift. So what we started really doing, what made it an easier transition was with new clients, new projects. We started doing the new way and the new process, right? um, which then we got some wins um, some credibility. And then it was like, okay, wait a second. We can then start implementing some of these ideas over. Um, so I think then it was easier for him to kind of let go once then we could see, okay, this is working. This is what's happening. Um, I will say as well, we really tried even with just with our entire team. Cause I think when you talk about a family business, it's not just the literal bloodline. You've got people that have been in these family businesses for a long time, yep. head down doing their job, yep. you know, blessing that I have in my world and the work that we do in this kind of futures world is we're always out reading and looking and seeing what others are doing. And so we come back with all these ideas when then you've got other people, God bless them doing the work and getting things done. Um, and so it's hard to say, hey, we should change. Like the world has changed out there while we're all in here. So creating opportunities for dad to be able to get out, for teammates to be able to go out to be doing training. And even with our future of customer insights, we included the entire team on that project because we wanted them to be bought in on it and not just kind of say, hey, guys, we have an entire new way of doing it and start Monday, we're doing it differently. So starting to tease the ideas, I guess. Yeah, um, I think it's challenging. At some point, your dad's got to turn to a Yamaha or a big client and say, yeah. um, uh, Jenny and Kate are taking over and yes. whatever you want to call them, the project yeah. managers or no, they're actually the co-presidents of the company. Yeah, um, That's got to happen. 
Yeah. I mean, the first time we sat across with them, you know, to negotiate some contracts, I would give some advice to kind of next gen people is when we sat down and said, Hey, we're signing this contract uh, for different things was not the front, the first time they've seen us, you know, I worked on and Kate worked on projects. And so I think there's something to be said with clients and then even teammates that come back and say, well, Hey, you don't really know. I'm like, Oh no, I've done that job. And I've done that job. And I've done that job. I do know um, of working your way up. Um, There's just something to be said about earning your stripes and understanding. And I think when some of our legacy clients, when we did that baton pass, he felt comfortable, our clients and our team was like, okay, we're ready. You've proven yourself. I guess. I think internally, if a, next-gen leader is taking over from the preceding generation, mm-hmm. that what they need to do is, is set some milestones that are either specific measurables or yeah. qualitative things that, you know, they've done this position, they've shown competency in this yes. capability, and the confidence is there with both parties. And it's not a leap of faith because nothing is scarier than the old generation sort of letting the new generation bet yeah. the farm on um I think know, that bet the idea. farm that is because that is it is I mean it, most honestly I mean a lot of times your entire family well so it's this yep. next generation I mean yes. supporting my family Kate's family and dad so you sure as heck better be right teed right. up <laughs> yep exactly and uh no offense to uh passionate uh, people in the room who, you know, are good at sales and marketing, like, Hey, mom and dad, I'm ready. I can do it. But there's, there's sometimes that false bravado that children have and they think they can do it. And it, it, you know, I always say like the best leader is someone who's really humble. Mm -hmm. So when a parent is humble, they don't need to own the fact, you know, they don't have to have ownership power or control any longer. Right. Um, But they can't release it until they know also that their child is humble um, because arrogance kills too many deals. A hundred percent. I mean, if I think about where I think it is great, I mean, I remember my very first manager job at Home Depot. I applied for the manager. I wanted that role and cherish Chase. God bless her. My, the best manager I ever had, I got turned down and she was like, you are not ready for this job and you don't have the experience. And gosh, darn it. I cried and was so sad, but you know, it taught me the best thing is to go back. Like we don't just have to hand it to them. And I would have flopped in that job. And I learned so much about what I needed to do. So I think having some tough love is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You're not ready. (laughs) Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we've kind of covered a lot of topics, but I just, this world, I will say as well, um, which I'm kind of talking about this, but having this community in this world and people like you and Ed Hart over at the Center for Family and other people that are surrounding and helping others. Because I will say one of the main reasons why we made through, and I think we would not be where we are today without the center and without connecting with other family businesses. And so thank you for your podcast, even of listening to hear these tips and hear these tricks or like just hear these actual, not even tips and tricks, but actual real life stories. Because sometimes when you're in it and you're the thick of it, you're like, well, it's just because mom and dad don't love me or it's not because of this is what, no, 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 this is the process. And this is how to go through. And so hearing other people, I feel like this community is so incredible that we all kind of, whenever we get in these like networking rooms or whatnot, we kind of like let our guard down a little bit and really share of like what's actually happening. Um, and so I appreciate this kind of 
I don't know, forum to be able to share these incredible stories. Well, thank you. And thanks for coming on my show and sharing your story because um, there's no cookie cutter. There's no, no two families are alike, Mm -hmm. but every business, every family thinks their business, their family is unique. They're different. And it's only because they haven't shared maybe or seen what other families go through. Yeah. um, And they don't understand that, you know, business might like all good businesses have playbooks. And so having a playbook and, and like, if you put together enough playbooks for enough businesses, you start to see the pattern. I mean, I was a consultant for many years, writing business plans and financing packages. And, And it wasn't until 15 years later that I became a coach because I realized that a lot of certain size businesses mm-hmm. dealt with very similar types of issues yep. Yep. and you know different size businesses deal with different types of issues and you can apply those like a cfo like an hr mm-hmm. uh, outsourced hr person a coach can apply those to those different businesses 100%. um and you apply it differently but it's the same tool or you know similar well, and why not i mean i think kate and i are just so under the um avenue of like, why can't I just learn from other people? Like, I mean, I could sit here for like the next five, 10 years and like sort this out, but like, wait a second, why don't we just lean into other experts in this space yeah. and, and learn from theirs and then keep going? I mean, it just, well, and it's you know, doing, bo- it's doing a bit of both, Yes, but it's, yeah. all, you know, having a coach definitely can shorten the path to getting there right. and going it alone. Yeah. yeah. Mentors, coaches, peers. Yeah. I'm a peers. big fan of all those types of learning things, you know, and do yeah. them all. At the same time, if you can afford it, time and you know money wise, it's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you also have to be in the trenches doing it. You know, you have to uh, try and practice and fail because you learn as much from those as well. Yeah, you know, one of the things. I mean, again, maybe I don't know the last thing or whatnot, but one of the things I think that's so interesting about this time right now. I mean, everything's been flipped upside its head <laughs> in the last year. But it also is, I don't know, it's giving us even a freedom when you say like disruptive of trying new things. I feel like if we're open and honest and we're communicating with our customers and our um, peers and our people around us of like, we're trying, we're checking this out. Like, what do you think? Like now people are giving um, companies a bit more grace to like, let's sort it out. Let's try it. Like now I think is the best time to be disruptive. I mean, if you come out of this pandemic and you're doing the exact same thing that you were doing a year and a half ago, well then quite honestly, like what in the world, like this is, I mean, what you have there disruptive, it is the best time to pivot and see what can happen. (laughs) There's so many opportunities. I think it was Jack Welch who said that if change is happening on the outside faster than change is happening on the inside, then the end is near in sight. And so- well, so he was with pretty the, clear and to the point on most things. <laughs> exactly. Um, Jenny, how can people reach you if they want to know more about McKenzie Corporation? Yeah, uh, McKenzieCorp.com is our website. Um, I think our Instagram, McKenzie Corp. Um, Jenny Dinnan on LinkedIn, pretty active on there. Great. Um, we'll have all your contact information in the show notes. People want to get a hold of you. Love it. Um, talk to you about your story. I know you're passionate about and curious about uh, other family members. So I encourage uh, other family members to reach out to you if they're dealing with, you know, twins or siblings or, you know, maybe running into problems with the, uh, with the sticky baton or succession. uh, I'm always here as well to help. So Jenny, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so, so much. All right. So Jonathan Goldhill, another episode in the can of the Disruptive Successor podcast. If you like this show, please share it, subscribe, 
And if you want more information, grab a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor at DisruptiveSuccessor.com. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.